Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, everyone. So glad you could join us for another episode of Adweek's Most Powerful Women in Sports. I'm Lisa Granitstein, and it's here where the world's greatest marketers, media pros, athletes, and coaches share their remarkable career journeys and how they achieve peak performance. Today, we'll be speaking with Lori Locust, perhaps best known as Coach Lowe the assistant defensive line coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll talk to Coach Lowe about her playbook for success, which includes years of sacrifice, hard work, and hard knocks. In 2019, Coach Lowe became the first female position coach in the NFL and third female full-time assistant coach in the league's history. Both she and the Bucs assistant strength and conditioning coach became the first female coaches to win a Super Bowl. It was Super Bowl 55, when the Bucks beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And now let's dive in and hear more. Coach Lowe, welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. How are you? You've got a few things on your mind. How are you? You're in Tampa Bay. How is everything going with the hurricane? Yes. So thank you for asking. Uh, we were very fortunate where, uh, where we had moved to uh, at the end of April. Didn't see a whole lot, but there's areas around us coastal. Um, that saw a lot of water, a lot of backyards flooded, uh, but I don't think that it was as bad as what they anticipated. So thankfully, we're all kind of blessed and safe and, you know, kind of hunkered down a little bit, but hopefully coming out okay. Good. That's really good to hear. So before we dig in, I, I have to ask about the role of a defensive line coach. I mean, you're basically, you're dealing with linemen that are about 6'5", 300 pounds of muscle, like what do you what are you doing with these guys? <laughs> so what least. do you do? 
Uh, you know, uh, it's from an assistant coach standpoint, I certainly follow behind my head D-line coach, Casey Rogers, and uh, we oversee a lot of the prep, obviously, for that portion of the defense to uh, have them ready for the opponents. Uh, we do a lot of film study. We do a lot of review on technique in our room. Uh, Casey's very uh, fundamentally based, which I appreciate because that's the way that I coach also. And uh, we just have to get them ready mentally and physically uh, for the opponents as we go through the season, uh, take care of them on and off the field, so to speak. But these guys are professionals. They do a lot of the work on their own. We're just kind of there to help facilitate it and uh, really keep them together. So how did you get into football? How did you find your way there? Was this yeah. where you grew up? Was it a big football town? <laughs> so um, I, that's always a great question for me because I can never pinpoint it. My parents really weren't football fans, so to speak. My mom followed the Washington team because she had grown up there, but didn't really know about football. They just watched it because it was on television. And uh, my dad was a golfer. So uh, from the age of five years old, I was a Steelers fan. I think I saw him on TV one Sunday and just became hooked. Um, they were awful. They were one in 13 <laughs> the first season that I started following them. But uh, I just really was a fan of the game and loved the aspect of it. Loved playing in the backyard with all the boys in the neighborhood. Loved just the gear, everything about it. There was just something about football that drew me in. And then uh, as I was about to turn 40, a women's team came to Harrisburg. And I got an opportunity to fall in love with the game all over again from a different aspect. And then uh, once I, and that's how the journey started really. Once I got hurt playing football for the women's team, I started coaching. So, and here we are. Wow. 15, okay. well, no, 17 years later, almost. Yeah. That's crazy. First of all, you started playing at 40. I mean, you were playing probably other, other games, but 40 sure. was semi-pro, right? Yes. Yeah. It was a uh, full contact NFL rule. Um, I saw, uh, I saw one of my uh, co-patriots in the, uh, the WFA women's league, uh, Tanya Brian on the uh, call. Um, and she understands, I mean, you know, it's, it's taxing, but if it's something you really have a passion for, um, it was the best time of my life. My best friends that I still have to this day are fellow teammates. And uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. So what were you doing between the time you became a coach? And we, we will spend a lot of time on that. But uh, between that and, and you know, turning 40, you were, you were in business, right? Yeah, I was. I was in corporate. Uh, I am a self-proclaimed uh, eternal insurance geek. I was a work comp underwriter, uh, production underwriter. I was a life uh, and health producer. I did commercial insurance. I worked for a brokerage firm. I um, did motorcycle and manufactured housing underwriting, property underwriting. So I have a very strong insurance background. I can still <laughs> chat it up with the best of them uh, if a topic like that comes up. But um, once uh, once football really started to take a hold of uh, outside of that, you know, I was raising both of my sons, uh, my ex-husband coached uh, for a high school ball and he had played in college, um, which is how I know a lot of the coaches now on staff because we all went to Temple together. But uh, I started picking up football part-time and started picking up coaching part-time. So 
there was really never a time when I didn't have football uh, in, in some of those years. I would go from semi-pro playing in the spring slash summer, and then I would start coaching high school ball in the fall, and then that would go into arena ball in the winter time in the spring, and then I'd pick up men's semi-pro coaching. So I really, for about four or five years there straight, I was antsy if I had a week off because I didn't know what to do with myself because you get so ingrained in your schedule. The boys have things, the full-time job has stuff. And then I had to go coach. And when the seasons would break and I'd have those odd Mm -hmm. spaces of time, it was, it was very uncomfortable (laughs) for me, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I was, I was very fortunate to be able to have football almost year round for a good four or five year chunk of my career. That's incredible. So what was, what was it like to make the transition from player to coach? What were some of the biggest changes you felt or had yeah, to that's, experience? That's very tough. And, um, you know, I'm thankful I had the experience because now I see it at this level, you know, when guys come back or they get injured and then they start to, to help out on staff, but you really have to apply a lot of professional distance to uh, making that transition. And so, whereas, uh, you know, we used to play hard and we used to drink pretty hard after games and eat like nobody's business because you're out there burning off calories. um, There was a lot of changes that I had to do. I had to be more professional uh, around my friends that I had just been on the field with uh, weeks earlier or last season. Mm. And then they had to respect me in a capacity now where you know, I was a captain uh, the last year that I played, and and that certainly holds like a leadership type quality. But now you're asking them to do things from a whole other aspect sometimes. So it was gaining respect. It was in corporate building relationships. You know, there's a lot of traits that carry over to uh, to football and to coaching that you know I picked up along the way um, in the corporate side. And then um, just really amping your technical knowledge, because now you're in charge of making sure that that unit or that particular position operates at the highest level. um, And you never want to let the team down or let that piece of the puzzle fall apart. So um, it was incumbent then on me to really get better. And I think that that's helped me all along because I'm consistently now looking for ways to get better. Um, either people or resources. Uh, but that's always a trait I think that you have to have when you make a transition. Can't be complacent. Yeah. Uh, and you have to be able to know how to move forward and and do it for now others, not just yourself. Right. So it's like being a parent too, which you obviously yeah. had experience with. That, yep. that also helped, I gather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. You're always yeah. motivating, right? Um, yeah. Your kids to do something, you know how to negotiate and motivate pretty well. So that's uh, that's corporate and football uh, on both sides of that. Did you always have the respect of the players at all the levels you coached? Would you were some easier than others? And it just anything surprise you? Uh, I don't know that. Uh, I mean, I think it was hardest to make the transition from player to coach initially uh, because I was you get in that flux of I'd rather just be playing. You know, in the beginning, it was hard to not be on the field. Um, but from a respect standpoint, yes. And certainly when I started coaching um, the guys' side of the ball, um, I had had the playing experience, so I had some credibility. I had 
worked with the women's team and the women's coaches enough to understand schemes and bring that to assist at the levels that I was at. And I was very fortunate to have some really great coaches that were willing to invest in me and give me an opportunity and mentor me. So I was never treated any differently than any other coach they would bring in. They set the tone as soon as I got there and that assisted in setting me up to, uh, to be part of the coaching staff. So I was never really looked at as anything differently. And I think had those things not been in place, there might've been a rub here or there, but I, um, I never really got um, any pushback. I've never really had any issues with any players. And to be honest with you, um, <laughs> it probably wouldn't have ended well for them had I ever gotten pushback. Uh, right. But no, I, it's a mutual respect. I think if you come in and you respect where they are and the work that they put in and they respect that you've worked hard to get there and you're not there for the wrong reasons. You're not there to be, you know, a media circus type of thing. Right. I think all of that goes out the window and then they just see me as a coach. So no welcome to the NFL moment. Nothing like that. <laughs> I mean, they're looking always for ways to uh, to make me one of uh, one of the crew as far as like, you know, finding some embarrassing moments. I think uh, they have it on film, but I did a pretty big L over a ball one time at practice um, when I first started at Tampa. Luckily, yeah. those things have not been shown outside of the room, but, you know, it's it's yeah. all in good fun. We do it to one another, but yeah, no, nothing like that. That's good. So do you consider yourself fearless? I think uh, in, in some aspects, um, and I know that we'll get into this a little bit later, I think it's either my age or my stupidity, but I just don't look at things um, in the same way. You know, I don't, I try not to limit myself. So I don't know if that is being fearless, but if there's an opportunity, if there's something where I might be a little bit uncomfortable, uh, but I know that it might benefit me in the long run. Um, I've subscribed now to the fact that I'm just going to push forward and give it a shot as opposed to hanging back or, you know, going through all the reasons why I shouldn't do something. And, um, you know, that might, like I said, that might be a combination of, of both of those things of a little stupidity at my age, but um, I've just stopped really trying to put myself in any position where I'm, I'm, I'm limiting because there's so many other aspects, there's so many other people, there's so many other constraints that would tend to limit us. Uh, and I don't want to contribute to that for myself. So maybe if, if that's a, a really broad <laughs> definition of fearless, then sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> what about winning and losing? How has your approach to that evolved, maybe from player to coach or over time? Yeah. So we always say you have to hate to lose more than you love to win, because that provides a fight within uh, the aspect of the game that we really need. And it also kind of speaks to the fact that we want more of like a team forward approach uh, to, uh, to the way that we go into game planning. Um, I mean, everybody hates to lose, um, but you have to learn from it. Everybody loves to win, I guess too. Right. So, um, but you also have to learn from that too. Like there's never an aspect where we're not analyzing and trying to get better. Uh, so it's always easier in the building when you come in after a win and we all like that a little bit more. So we all try and work a little harder to make sure that that happens. But um, 
you know that at a certain point, you know, that's a possibility as far as like losing. And uh, we just, it motivates us so much more to do the things we need to do to get better um, so that that doesn't happen that often. Well, and to that point, how, how do you listen better um, as a coach to motivate your, your players? Yeah. I mean, even at this level, I mean, the guys have been doing it. Some of them have been doing it for years and years and years, and you don't want them to feel like this is just an automatic. Um, We're also very fortunate. We have guys in the room that have had illustrious careers, but they're still very open to coaching. So it's getting to know a player individually. Um, You know, we allow them to sort of drive how much they want to divulge in regards to their personal life and, you know, their families and their situations, but understanding that all that comes into play uh, or can affect their play on the field. So um, between Casey and myself, I mean, obviously we have different approaches to the relationships that we have with the guys, which makes us very authentic. Um, and that is certainly, you know, an aspect that you need to have, um, you can't come into this and try and be something that you're not. Um, but communication is very key. So you do have to make the time to sit down and listen to the guys or read their body language to see if something's a little bit off, you know, help them through, get them the resources that they need in regards to, you know, if they need extra conditioning or if their nutrition's off, or if they need to just sit and talk for a couple of minutes. Um, So we just, you have to be very much in tune with them and not look over the small things. Um, And that's hopefully something that I've been decent at is just always trying to keep an eye on the small things to make sure they don't become that, you know, bigger issue or a problem down the line. Okay, so I have a question from Sarah Leinbach, which comes along these lines. How did you, or did you combat imposter syndrome and how have champions and allies like coach Aaron's made a difference? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> when the term came out, uh, I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, I've been doing this for so long that it's, it's, I've just kept my head down and like worked through so much that I don't know that I've ever stopped and paused and thought, do I, you know, what am I doing here? Do I really belong? Like these guys are, you know, so much more experienced than me. And I think it's something that I would battle through more in, uh, in my earlier days, there just wasn't a term for it. So I think how I pushed through that was, like I said, I did everything I could to get better. And when I was working full time and I didn't have as much time to devote to coaching or opportunities would come up and I had to let them go because it would have interrupted our family time or it was all out of pocket for me for years and years and years. Um, if I couldn't afford to do something, I picked up a, a magazine or I got a course online or I just called a coach and that I knew and tried to talk through it because I didn't want to ever put myself in a position where I didn't feel ready to be there. And I think a lot of times that I've seen, you know, the women that are coming through, the women that are being placed in these positions, the women that are getting looks from coaches like uh, Coach Arians at this, at this time frame. Um, you know, if we have to sit back and ask those types of questions, 
in my mind, we may not be ready for this opportunity. And that's why I push so hard to help and mentor when I can, because I don't want to ever have a woman come to this level and feel overwhelmed or feel like this is all brand new. Um, you know, it's a lot. Uh, I can tell you that I felt like sometimes it's a 400 level college course every day that I come in because it's a lot of information and it goes very quickly and you don't have a chance to say, I don't really understand that when it's happening. Um, and when you have coaches like BA um, and Casey and Todd Bowles, and I could go back 17 years with all the coaches that I've had a chance to work with, they get it and they understand that development of their coaches uh, makes their program stronger and development of their coaches gives them the opportunity to extend their tree and extend their legacy and they want to help. Um, so it's, I think it's just a combination of always having, you know, tried to put myself in the best position with the best people, knowing that I could say no to opportunity, which was very hard in the beginning because I didn't want, you get a sense and feel of this may be it because I don't like to put that label female coach on, but like I had opportunities in the, in the early stages of my career to be head coach of this men's team or head coach of this, wow. this program. And it didn't feel right. You know, mm. I didn't know that I was ready for it at that time. And I didn't want to come in, like I said, and be like just this media draw. And I also wanted to do a good job. And you have to be honest with yourself enough to say, this may not be it right now and give yourself permission to kind of step back away from it. And it's hard. It's scary because you don't know when the next opportunity is coming or if it'll come. Um, right. But I think that all those things combined is you just, you have to take personal responsibility for being as ready as you possibly can be. And hopefully you won't ever have to feel that type of syndrome or that questioning of yourself once you get there. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. 
Right. And you're you're on the advisory board of the Women's Football Alliance, the WFA. Yes. So you're yes. you're actually helping with that pipeline. So women aren't necessarily going to have the experiences you did, even though yours was mostly or not entirely positive. It's an mm-hmm. easier, easier journey. Um, I was going to ask, you know, you have to stay so focused, so, so like dialed into the game. How do you deal with distractions and what are some of those distractions from you and how do you deal with them? Yeah, a focus is everything. Oh, my goodness. Um, You know, one of the things that I really struggle with is uh, being a mom and being a coach, because where the guys can come in and stay in the building, you know, for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, there's something in my brain at a certain point in time where I'm still thinking about, um, you know, I wonder if I need to make this call, you know, did this happen? You know, I mean, they're grown men. My sons are grown men. They're 24 and about to be 31, but I still stay so very active in their life that Mm -hmm. there are times when something will be occurring that I know that they need something or that something's coming up and it's hard to shut off that side of my brain to just stay laser focused in what I'm doing. Um, and you know, I have to be efficient. Uh, there are times when there's a lot of pre-planning that occurs, um, sometimes ad nauseum to both of my sons that we have checklists and we have things on the refrigerator. That's a schedule and, you know, staying super organized, um, especially during season, uh, is critical. Um, and then I have to find some balance. I have to, you know, find some time where I can just kind of shut it down, take a breath, get myself refocused, reprioritize, and then just kind of keep it moving. But, um, you know, would it be nice to have, you know, a husband at home that would take care of, you know, calling the lawn guy or, you know, ordering the groceries, you know, anything like that? Absolutely. But I don't. So I'm in a dual role uh, that a lot of coaches don't have to experience because they do have that support system at home. And I think sometimes they don't see or understand how difficult sometimes it is to have to take care of both sides of the house. Um, And and that's just something that I continually also try and work on to get better um, because I I can't let my job go, but my family comes first. So, you know, there's a good good push pull every once in a while, but, um, we're making it work, knock on wood, but yeah, yeah, that would be my focus challenge. That's, that's a, that's a serious one and legit. Um, so Angelica Grayson asks, what are some of your personal goals as it relates to your career? What would you like next? Yeah. Um, certainly we'd love to repeat the Super Bowl. Um, that would be the first one. Uh, but no, I think, um, you know, being a coach, and, and I know Coach Grayson uh, would understand this as well, but uh, at this level, it's not if you get fired, it's when. So uh, just being prepared enough uh, and viable enough um, in this organization to be considered to continue to work either um, here, hopefully in Tampa Bay, or, you know, if the staff decides to go elsewhere, um, that I, you know, can go with them and, uh, you know, Short-term goal would be to have my own D-line room, have my own linebackers room. I mean, I think that that's the next step. And then, 
beyond that, I'm kind of open. Uh, I just want to be able to continue to work and um, have a nice, long, contributory uh, NFL career and uh, make an impact um, on the sport. And um, I think that that would be that would be a lot to ask for, but I'd be definitely satisfied with that. Well, you certainly have had quite a career so far. And uh, before we go, we, we have a couple of things to do, but I want to throw up a, a photo. Uh, Alexa, if you could throw this picture up, the Super Bowl picture. Tell us what it was like. Yeah. Tell us what it was like to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. That was so, amazing. Yeah. So this, uh, this is the aftermath. Uh, this is my younger son, Bryce. Um just such a blessing. Um, I can't even describe to you the feeling of being able to share this moment, uh, this whole season, uh, past season with him. You know, we had been through so many restrictions with COVID and in order to get through it, the families also had to sacrifice a lot of stuff. I mean, he's 23 years old at this time. He's in Tampa, Florida, you know, and he's staying in and not doing anything and not going anywhere. And you know, I know it took a toll on him uh, not being able to go home back to Pennsylvania, see his friends. I mean, it was it was a rough year um, off the field like that. But this was just sort of the culmination of seeing him, uh, the confetti's going, the cannons are oh. firing. Uh, <laughs> you're going to get me That's caught amazing. up here. Um, we kind of like did a very physical, uh, on-field hug. So, um, it was basically a good form tackle, uh, close to it. And so I like, I'm crumpled by this time we're exhausted, you know, and uh, it just, that, that was an overwhelming, uh, moment, but it was phenomenal. Uh, just during the game, you don't think about it because we're, I'm up in the booth and we're so locked into like the game portion of it that I didn't really, and I, I've said this before, like it was the beginning of the fourth quarter. And so I really, it really hit me that they had not scored a touchdown and it was just, I'm like, Oh, but it's Patrick Mahomes, you know, like there's a whole quarter, there's a whole bunch of football left, like get out of your own head, get back to work kind of thing. Right. And, when that two minute mark hit and we just were like, Whoa, like this is about to happen. It, it, there's just no feeling like it in the world. And the, the after party was crazy. The seeing the guys on the field was just insane. The boat parade was just amazing. Um, it, yeah, it, it's just, I can't even put into words all of the emotions that went with that, but it, it, it was a dream come true and a lifelong achievement, you know, that we were able to put together for pretty sure. quickly. So uh, yeah. the bar has been set kind of high for us this yeah. year. So the ring, when do you get the ring? Uh, we have a, a ceremony coming up on the 22nd uh, yes. and then we'll be able to put that chapter sort of to bed uh, nicely and uh, really start to focus on the upcoming season. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully we'll see you or for the Bucks fans, we'll see you in Super Bowl 56. There I, you want go. To, uh, I want to, I want to throw to your playbook, um, mm. your takeaways. They're great. If you could share them with us, that would be wonderful. Sure. Um, I think well, we touched on it a little bit earlier and, and these are some things that I've sort of subscribed to like for myself. So um, hopefully it's something that resonates a little bit, but I have started to, over the, at least the last couple of years, is try and put myself in a mentality of living a why not type of life instead of what if. 
I think, again, like we get so bogged down with uh, limitations. Uh, one of the things we didn't talk about and one of the things I'm really big on is getting away from saying things like male dominated. Uh, I have a tendency to say male prevalent uh, as it relates to my career only because it's limiting type of language. And I think when you come into a situation, when you put yourself in a position where it's something you really want to do, or you really want to try it, why start it off in a less than type of mentality? Um, and you really have to like, look at things and say, why not? You know, there are times, obviously your responsibilities to your family or, you know, things may preclude you from like throwing your stuff in the car and like driving cross country to learn how to surf or something like that. But, you know, I think that you can look at it in small things. And I think that you can look at it in career type of moves. I mean, my full-time job, my career, my money uh, was coming from working, you know, a nine to five type of position. And I made a conscious decision to pivot and really try and put full effort into coaching full-time and making a career out of it. And that in my mind was a definite why not type of moment. I could always pick up work. I could always try and go back into insurance or some type of corporate if it didn't work out. But there was something that I came to as my fork in the road. And I had to take that first step in the, in the direction of my dream and my passion. And I think that if you incorporate it even a little bit, it may open up some other opportunities for you. And it's just trying to take steps to make yourself happy. Um, don't feed your weeds. Uh, this is from an energy standpoint. I feel like no matter what you do, uh, there's only so much energy that any of us have for ourselves or for people that we care about or for positive things in your life. So if you think about all of the things that you do to get through the day or climb the, the ladder or focus on your career or your children, there's only so much left and you don't want to give that energy and you don't want to give your time to things or to people that are negative or who are not contributing to you moving forward. And to me, those are weeds. Um, you know, we can say you're going to be in the weeds or, you know, feeding the weeds, but you have to give yourself permission to cut people like that or cut things out that aren't serving you and serving your higher purpose and not feel guilty about it and not feel like it's something you're obligated to do. I think obligations have a tendency of weighing you down to a point where you can't function and I just feel like you need to start to really take a good look and examine and you can be cordial to people, but they don't need to be on your journey with you uh, because they just don't deserve to be there or that time and effort you're putting into things that are really just bogging you down. It's just, it's time to cut loose. And um, I highly encourage that behavior as well for self-preservation and, and for mental health too, um, sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then don't be afraid to be great. Um, give yourself that permission. Um, there's a lot of times, and, and I'll speak on this just from my standpoint as a mother. There's a lot of times where we wear so many hats and we do so many things for so many other people and you're continually putting people ahead of you. And, and you should, I mean, family comes first and I put my sons above anything else that I do, but 
you know, there does come a point in time where you have to be okay with succeeding and being, feeling okay about it and not feeling guilty that you're doing things to help yourself down that path or doing something for yourself to make yourself feel better or to take that new job or to, you know, be like the leader in front of the room or give the presentation. I mean, it can kind of carry over to a lot of stuff, but I think that we have a tendency right now to kind of stay in the, in the background and it's not needed. There really isn't any reason to not be the person you're meant to be. Um, and I'm prime example of that. And um, I just hope that it's like unencumbering for the women, especially on the call. Um, I feel sometimes it's like you have to take off layers of winter clothing. Um, it's that feeling so you can get back to like who you are, who you used to be, what makes you happy and what makes you whole. And, um, and that's just the whole purpose of that is to just really get to know yourself all over again and just be great um, with where your feet are and where you want to be. Okay. Wow. Coach Lo, thank you. That is amazing advice. Uh, the, the chat is like lighting up here. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being with us today. This was fantastic. Um, uh, please be safe in Tampa Bay. And, we will. Thank uh, you. Sure. And we'll, uh, we'll be watching you in, in, you know, as the season kicks off. So we'll there see we you soon. Thank you so, so much for the time, Lisa. It was great. I appreciate the conversation. Of course, always. And hope we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Adweek's Most Powerful Woman in Sports, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens, and edited by Lane McGibney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.